to you live from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sounders Weekly with your host, Jackson Feltz. Good evening and welcome to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of Seattle Sounders FC, Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is your weekly show, Tuesdays from 7 to 8 p.m., where we cover everything Seattle Sounders FC. I'm your host, Jackson Feltz, and joining me here in the beautiful Carter Volkswagen Studios tonight, Seattle University head coach Pete Fewing. Pete, thanks for joining me here tonight. My pleasure, Jackson. Beautiful day. This is why uh, th- these are the kind of days when we're recruiting uh, <laughs> out of state guys, out of country guys. Uh, th- this is the days we want them to come visit. Showing sure. them gorgeous. the 80 degree, little bit of wind, and, and just everything is perfect in Seattle. Trees in bloom. Yeah. How's the Seattle University program going right now? Good. We just finished spring training. Uh, one of our recruits coming in just uh, was called up to the uh, U19 national team and just came back, got a goal and an assist. So. Uh, I like our group. It's uh, We have a very good schedule for next season. Uh, we bring Akron in. We bring uh, Santa Barbara, Cal Poly. Uh, we'll be at Washington this year for that local derby. That's oh a great one. Uh, we go to New Mexico. So I like our schedule a lot. I like our guys, and we better win. <laughs> right? that, I'll tell you something. Yeah. Here's a good one. Coaching the kids at Pumas, we win the semifinals. I get a phone call from Brian Schmetzer. He leaves me a voicemail, and he says, Pete... I'm not going to leave you some flowery message. In our business, there's pressure, there's pressure, there's pressure, there's pressure. If you don't win tomorrow, don't call me back. <laughs> Click. So great. I'm in the locker room after the game. We win one nothing, and I just text him. Pumas, 1-0. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so we got to go win next year. That Akron match will be a big rematch for you as well. It will be a big rematch. They had... Uh, they lost nine guys uh, to the uh, a lot to the MLS. Wow. Uh, so, Jao um, Matinho, yeah. the young, there was their left back, uh, and is with Atlanta. Uh, was no Atlanta or Minnesota? L- LAFC. LAFC. Thank you, thank you. Once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that's a very good team. They're reloading. Um, they have been to Europe to reload. So. Uh, it'll be great to have them back. They went to the Final Four last year, and they knocked right. us out of the NCAA tournament. So, uh, yeah, it should be a fun schedule. It's uh, it's exciting because, you know, now you see Alex Roldan uh, coming to the Sounders, and I sat down with Adrian yesterday at his office, and he uh, was asking about some of our players that are up and coming, and, and we have interest from... He's already knowing guys that he's on, Adrian, on his draft board that they want. Yeah, Adrian People knows are, our recruits. Right. He is very <laughs> thorough with everything, so he knows who we're bringing in. He was telling me that, so um, uh, it's good. It's a, That's a fun relationship, and I think um, we're better looking now because Alex Roldan has made us better looking. Of course. <laughs> Other teams like him as when well. When you watch so. the Sounder broadcasts and you see the Roldan, the parents uh, of the Roldans, sitting up in the stands with the Seattle University gear and the UW gear, that's got to help. It's lovely. Anna <laughs> and uh, Caesar, I've, I've texted them a couple times because they're they are doing such a nice job. Anna wears the Seattle U hat and the Husky <laughs> scarf or, or uh, top, and Caesar, the dad, wears the Seattle U top and the Husky hat. So Jamie Clark at Washington and I have we owe those guys some gear <laughs> we owe them <laughs> and our schools owe them uh, maybe a, a finder's fee because they're, they're doing a nice job for us well we turn our attention from Seattle University mentioned Alex Roldan to the Seattle Sounders it is a one nothing loss in the 100th match between the Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers 
That was this last weekend in a 90-degree Providence Park down there in Portland. Pete, you were on the postgame show with me. Uh, Wade Weber was also here. An unfortunate loss for Seattle, disappointing. Sebastian Blanco has the winning goal in the 87th minute and just able to get behind the defense, You know, just chips it past Fry. It's a sad ending to the 100th match. We look to 101, we look to the next match, which, by the way, May 26th against RSL, the next match for Seattle. We will have that right here for you on Sports Radio 950 KJR, 2 p.m. kickoff on May 26th. No match this weekend, but we look back to Portland, Pete, so we'll start with that. Looking into that match here, and we talked about it on the postgame show, Kim Kihi's injury where he went up in the air against Fernando Adi, huge gash on the side of his head. He had blood on the side of his head, blood on the back of his head. He had to come out. There was the substitution where you see then Jordi Delem shift back to center back. Uh, both the Roldans are paired in the midfield. Ultimately, we as we talked about it, you will have a team full of soccer players that are expected to be able to play the positions that they are slid into. That's Schmetzer's whole strength there. Ultimately, it does cost Seattle in this loss. Yeah, it was tough. They were close to closing that one out and getting a one point, a zero zero uh, on the road at Portland would have been good. Those kind of games come down to individual uh, moments, and Portland capitalized on theirs. Blanco, terrific goal. For I couldn't do much, but I think Brian's thinking on it, and I am similar in that you've got Jordy Delem. He's in the flow of the game. You don't want to necessarily. Alfaro was on the bench. You bring a, a guy into that environment that late, and he hasn't got the flow of the game. He hasn't got the heat in his lungs. And that's a real thing, in my opinion, whether it's real cold or real hot. You've got to get that heat into your lungs. And so you got Jordy Delem. He's warm. He knows the pace of the game. He knows the physicality of the game. Makes perfect sense to, to put him back in that spot. I That's, if I was to go through either scenario, that I would go with Jordy Delem as well. So, um, he gets a great ball played through, and he yeah. finishes a great opportunity. And that's if, if in professional soccer, um, you you might only get one chance, and you got to tuck it away. And kudos to Blanco, uh, and it was a. I think we've said it a lot since the game, uh, and on the broadcast. Uh, I know I've heard Garth say it as well. One, one, and one in that series. You said it. it, it we'd take it right, but the way the last one. Uh, was you know one oh and two i think we would have been thrilled with that but right yeah so it's a tough one uh i would have kept i would have put delem back there because he's got the pace of the game he's got the wind the air in his lungs and and he knows how that game's going makes sense well that substitution it featured Hendwell buana coming on in the 71st minute for kim Kihi, and that transitions us into looking at this attack and how it worked because after Columbus, we talked about needing the creativity and needing, you know, just an interjection of something in there to get things going. And it came in Toronto, two goals. And this is the first time we've done a Sounders Weekly since that game in Toronto. And that was a very encouraging sight. It was, it was exciting. You saw the creativity with Magnus Wolf Ikram. Will Bruin was great in that game. And I guess a two part question here is, did you see the creativity there in Portland? What were the problems with the attack where they just couldn't seem to find a goal in Portland, where they found a couple in Toronto? Yeah, two different scenarios and and uh, same shape but different personnel. Right, the, the wingers on the, in the Toronto yeah. game. Right, that you've got two young bucks, uh, McCrary, right, and Lear, and it was McCrary and Francis, right, getting right. themselves forwards. Um, so. To, to answer your question, there was also two different scenarios, right? In that you're going to Toronto, you ex, they're at home, they too are 
on four losses, and, and that was their fifth, which ties the number of losses they had last year. Everyone's expecting Toronto to really take the game and boss it around and, and lead that one. Seattle hung in there. Uh, the new lineup did create more attacking opportunities, and then they finished their chances. And so then you go to Portland, and that's a very different scenario in that it's very hot, it's very intense, uh, the rivalry is built up. It's the 100th game of that rivalry. The personnel's a little bit different um, as well on that one, and, and the chances didn't come. And and Seattle found ways to penetrate uh, uh, Toronto, and they had a hard time doing that uh, at Portland. So um, I think I think the the dynamics of each game was a little bit different, mm-hmm. right? And I I liken a Sounders Portland game to a, like a league championship, maybe not an MLS championship, but maybe like playing for the West because there's so much that goes into that game. And and honestly, you know, we've seen it. It's fun. You go down to the stadium, and we need security from the time we get out of our cars, <laughs> and we're just the silly broadcasters, right? And so so the intensity of that crowd amps everything up for both players, both teams, excuse me. Right. When we talk about that squad and how it was kind of split from Toronto to Portland, it's still split in the sense of you have guys out. I mean, the injuries to this team, and I know we're going to talk to Garth about it, it's on our schedule to talk to him about, but the injuries to this team right now are insane. Victor Rodriguez out, Nico Ladero was out with the toe fracture. Uh, we'll talk, mention about the World Cup here coming up momentarily. Jordan Morris, of course. and the Bruin list was kinda, out for Portland. Bruin, exactly. Yeah. The list goes on and on and on yeah. and on and on. It's, it's almost like we need... Some sort of, I don't know, are you a superstitious man? There needs to be something that we can do to help this team out. This is, this is getting yeah. ridiculous. You see, it'd be funny if you go out to training and they're all wearing garlic around their necks or something. <laughs> uh, no, it's just they've had a, a rough go with a short turnaround from MLS Cup uh, two years in a row. And, uh, and then CONCACAF. Uh, they travel a lot. Uh, it's not easy. The MLS is not a bus ride from Seattle to, you know, Federal Way. It is a plane ride from Seattle to Toronto. And uh, so yeah, they've been very, very unfortunate. This break, I'm hoping this break will uh, bring those guys back. The four you mentioned arguably are starters. They've all been starters in their time. Uh, will Bruin is great. He limped off that field at Toronto. He was interviewed afterwards. We saw it. And they said, oh, you're limping. Are you okay? And he said, I'll be back. I'm fine. Will Bruin's a warrior, but he's not fine. He's got an injury. So um, so hopefully this rest will be valuable for him as well. Yeah, we heard heel pain on Will Bruin, so we'll see how that And that develops. is really painful. I've had bruised heels before. It's yeah. it, You feel like you've shattered your heel. It's like chewing on aluminum foil when you run. Oh. And um, when you first do it, if it's in the flow of a game, you're fine because... Um, you manage it, but once you stop playing, mm-hmm. uh, it can be a painful recovery. It it you kind of freezes up. Well, we saw him limping about halfway. I yeah. want to say through that Toronto match, and he's he was, not going to come out, is he? It was pretty clear that he he gave a hundred and twenty percent that he had on that field in Toronto. Yeah. So is that a sort of thing, knowing heel pain, where that could linger for Will? Well, the good news, I would say that his rehab will be staying off it, riding the bike to keep his cardio mm-hmm. going, that kind of thing, um, and. This is a, and he, it's been from Wednesday. It's not from the, the Timber Sunday right. game. So he's had a couple extra days already. Um, yeah, they are, they are fragile, uh, injuries and they, they really do. It's amazing how bad they hurt. I, I bruised, I think both my heels at the same time, um, playing and I thought I had shattered my right heel oh. and, and cracked my left one. I just came down wrong on a very hard field. It was just an awkward landing and, um, 
So, yeah, and he looked, Will's tough. He's really tough. I mean, we saw him dislocate his shoulder, and we've seen him take some stitches, and uh, he gets kicked a lot, and he takes a lot, you know, of uh, assault from behind, uh, going up for headers. And so I, I'm not surprised watching him walk off the field at Toronto, um, but I'm optimistic, and I, you know, it's not our place to say who's going to be healthy or not, but I would I would think there's a good chance he'll be back from that one. Coming Rick. up later in the show, uh, in our last segment, going to hear from Brian Schmetzer. He joined Dave Softy-Muller and Dick Fain here on KJR, as he does every Monday at 5 p.m. Joined them yesterday, and I was going to play some stuff where he's talking about how Will Bruin is really kind of the only true number nine that's healthy on this team right now, and, and Glenn Dempsey's not exactly the true number nine, I mean, really, Will Bruin, of all these guys that are injured, might be the most important guy to get back because you don't have another player who can play his position. That, But he's the only guy that can play his position, period, right now in terms of guys that are going to be available this year. Yeah, the preference for Clint is to, to have someone higher up the field that can a ball can be played in. Right. Clint, Clint can take it off and they can combine. Uh, he can do that. He he understands that assignment and that role. But the guy who relishes that with his back to the goal is uh, is Will Bruin. And so, yeah, we the team does not have you know a lot of options as far as that goes. Um, you know, I don't know if Ikram could be the guy who goes and plays up there with his back to goal. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't see. Christian Roldan has been terrific in the attack when he's been in those opportunities, but that's not his spot Henry either. Henry Wingo, perhaps? Henry, I thought I thought Henry had his best game because he had an assignment uh, against Toronto when he came in. But that was an assignment to hold a lead. That was not an right. assignment to start the beginning of a game and, and try to get goals. Henry's athletic um, and strong, uh, quick, uh, good work rate. Uh yeah, in a pinch, you you might throw Henry up there. Lamar Nagel is is probably yep, someone who would go. go up there, but I don't think Lamar's ninety minutes right now. Um, so yeah, Seattle needs Will Bruin back. They do. Uh, and then, in addition to guys injured, you have guys now going off on World Cup duty. We have just a few hours ago, it looked like this became final. Gustav Svensson has made the final roster for Sweden's World Cup team. Roman Torres has made the preliminary roster for Panama's team. I believe that's 35 minutes. It'll eventually go down to 23. And then Nico Ladero on Uruguay's 26-man preliminary World Cup roster. That will go down to 23 as well. So a good chance that Nico Ladero makes that final squad. Roman Torres, good chance making it as well. He's the one <laughs> who got them there. There's a yeah. stadium named after him. Yeah. So really, I, could, kind of, I could, could not imagine what the uh, his hometown <laughs> would do if he was left off mass that panic. So yeah. really, you're looking at three guys for Seattle in Ladero, Torres, and Svensson who are not going to be back with Seattle until after the World Cup. Now there's the glass half empty. It's awesome that they're representing Seattle, you know, and representing the Sounders in the World Cup. I should say that is the glass half full side. The glass half empty side is that okay, now Seattle has to deal with these key players not being with them for the upcoming stretch that's very important to this team and their playoff hopes. You want that kind of quality, right? You want guys who can play at the World Cup. They're going to gather information. They're going to get better from that. Uh, the the biggest hope is that they come back healthy and they bring back uh, that World Cup energy and and uh, passion uh, back to the to the club. So yeah, it's, it's tough. It, the good news is there's enough talent that three guys from this squad. And if the U.S. was qualified, might be three more, uh, two more uh, if with Jordan Morris out. But um, so it's a it's good news. It's good for the players. It's good for and it is good by the way for the players that don't go in that they say 
I want to be that guy. Right. I want to be going and representing my country. I've seen how excited he is. I've seen him playing in the World Cup stage. I need to elevate my game so I can go play there as well. And maybe I joked on the postgame show, maybe you have a Nico Ladero go over to his buddy Luis Suarez and say, hey, why don't you come uh, Why don't you come play in Seattle? Those guys can recruit players to be the designated player that Garth uh, Lagerwey wants so bad this summer. <laughs> uh, oftentimes, players are the best uh, recruiters of their of their teammates. And, and I'm sure Garth and Adrian and Brian would say to guys, hey, go find us. Good players. We do that in the college game. Hey, who's the best kid uh, in the you know the younger age group that you've been training with? So it makes sense. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Tell you what, we'll let you go to the World Cup, but you got to bring Suarez back. I can imagine it now. In summer, we see Luis Suarez starting at the nine and had Nico Ladero starting at the ten. That would be a fun combination to watch. I, I think most fans would sign up for that in an instant. It'd be the closest thing to the Clinton Oba. Uh, combination, you know, as far as guys reading each other and oh, you yeah, know, and and playing off each other and and helping each other. As those two were fantastic together, selfless, you know, um, they 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 were setting each other up or finishing the other's opportunities, and yeah, that'd be a nice combination, I'm sure. Oh, that was good times. Well, one of the topics that we're going to talk to Garth Lagerwey, Sounders general manager and president of soccer about, is that acquisition of a designated player. I have a couple questions for him on that. He will join Pete Fewing and I next. That's coming up on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio 950. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Match coming up on May 26th against Real Salt Lake. That's the next match for the Sounders here on KJR. But we are talking about this recent nine-day stretch uh, for the Sounders that included three matches. And joining us now here on Sounders Weekly, Pete Fewing and I here in studio, is the general manager and president of soccer with your Seattle Sounders, Garth Lagaway. Garth, good evening. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, thanks for having me, Jackson. It's good to have you, Garth. So we've been talking about that nine-day stretch that just happened where it was Columbus, Toronto, Portland. I want to start you off by getting your feelings about this stretch. I think if I had guaranteed to fans that we would go 1-1-1 one, one, and one in that stretch, I think some fans would have taken it. But from where we sit now, how do you feel about that stretch of games? Um, look, I, I think it was... A, a really good effort by our group. You know, I think we could have potentially gotten even more points than we did. Um, but we're, you know, looking at the process and looking at how we played starting in the Kansas City game. Uh, I think we've 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 trended upward uh, and we've gotten a little bit better each time out, and we're starting to show some consistent progress. And you know, even though we lose a, a game late in LA and and give up a goal late in Kansas City and give up another late goal here in Portland. Um, you know, what I take from that is is we're starting to play well. We're starting to play better. Um, and we're not the finished product yet, and we're still really banged up. Um, but you know, we're we're ticking. <coughs> Excuse me, we're ticking upward, and uh, hopefully making progress. Garth, twenty five games to go, uh, and you you now have two options lineup wise: either the five at the back and four in the midfield, one up front, or the or the four two three one. And then the good news is you've got a couple weeks. Uh, and you just told us off air, they're giving them a few days away. I think that is logical. But you have to be thrilled that somebody is going to be healthy, more healthy, by the time you get back in the field with RSL, that you're going to have more bodies back that you want on the field. 
Yeah, we just got to have options now. I mean, yeah. when you're talking about, you know, the World Cup coming up and missing a couple guys for that, uh, you know, plus, you know, Jordan being out for the season, plus some guys banged up, you know, when you start talking about missing five, six, seven starters at times so far this season, I mean, that gets ridiculous. You know, I mean, there, there are, you know, you only put 11 on the field at the same time, and um, thank goodness Steph, Steph Reisman healthy, but you're talking about missing, you know, half of your team, uh, and that's, that's difficult in the best of circumstances. And, uh, you know, as Steph said after the game, we got to get guys on the field. Uh, we got to do everything we can to get guys on the field. And, um, you know, when you have 13 days between games, that's a, that's a good way to, to rest up and get healthy and get ready. You mentioned him. Uh, I saw him yesterday walking his dog with his lovely wife. And, and uh, I said to him, I said, go somewhere for a couple of days and, and rest. <laughs> but aren't you, you have to be thrilled if, that is not a guy you would want to lose. Nothing against uh, Brian Meredith, uh, your number two, but he's been so rock solid. And you can say what you want about the LA game. That's a rarity for him. Uh, but you must be thrilled that he is such a strong leader and he's just been so consistent throughout his time in Seattle. And thank goodness he's healthy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, Steph has been great. Uh, tremendous on and off the field. Uh, he always is. And, you know, that's the great thing about him is you can always rely on him. Uh, so, uh, you know, just happy and lucky to have him as part of the squad. Garth, are you superstitious at all? Do you have any superstitions ahead of games on match days? No. That's weird. You're a goalie. That, yeah, that, yeah, that is yeah, uh, I was gonna say. unusual for a goalie. We had a what? goalie, Garth, whose grandmother put basil on the in the six-yard box <laughs> before his grandmother before games. Seriously. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's... I, I'm not saying I had nothing as a player. I, 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 you know, I think huh. you... I stress you know, causes you to organize your brain and your brain to want to do repetitive things so that it calms itself down. So I think there's some, you know, some neurological research in support of some of that stuff that it's just a way of ordering your brain. Yeah. Um, but, you know, no, I mean, I don't think that, you know, the color pants I wear is going to influence whether or not we win the game. Well, Garth, I think a lot of fans are superstitious, and that leads me to the question of what can we and what can supporters do to remedy this? You said it was ridiculous. Another word I, I wrote down here is insanely weird injury situation. I mean, can we put voodoo dolls in bubble wrap? Shoot, can we put the players in bubble wrap? I mean, seriously, though, have you ever seen anything like this in MLS? Just how, how many guys, starters of this attack are out this season? And it's amazing. Yeah, look, and, and, you know, I've alluded to this before, but, you know, the other team who's been really hit by this is Toronto. Yeah. And there's there's a commonality there. When You know, when sure. you go yeah. 11 months to two finals back-to-back, uh, and then you play in Champions League, and I know they made it two more rounds than we did, but, you know, you, you set up your whole preseason to prepare for Champions League. You push everything in, and, you know, and you drop some league games in the early going uh, in support of the Champions League effort. Like, it's not a coincidence to me. You know, that some of this is just wear and tear. There, there, it is really hard, in particular for older players, to bounce back in six weeks because that's the amount of time we have from the final to preseason, two years in a row. I think that's what you're seeing a lot of. And, you know, in, in, on a basic level, that's a high-class problem. Um, you know, that you're playing deep into every season. You're playing in MLS Cup finals. You're winning MLS Cups. You know, you're going to get, you know, a little bit of, Slow start potentially the next year. So yeah, that makes um, yeah, I, it's legit. Yeah, I, I think, that, and again, it, it, it's you know, if it's just happening enough, you say, all right, well, what are we doing wrong? And when you look at, you know, the other team that we feel you know is, is comparable to us and, and has had a comparable experience and it's happened to them too, you say, all right, 
maybe there's a commonality here. So, but again, all of this is just explanations, and now we got to overcome it. And again, I think on the field we're we're, we're ticking up, albeit slowly. Uh, and you know, we just got to stay focused and stay disciplined and stay structured and do the things we can and put on a consistent performance. And you know, and hopefully the the points will come. Yeah, that's, you know, and need cool heads like you have right there. Uh, I know Brian has that. I remember when Todd Lywicki, uh was helping roll out the Sounders, and it was maybe year three or four, and they were going through a bad spell uh, after having a lot of success. And Todd knew I was doing the game that night, and he just walked right out. I was standing on the field, and he walked out, and he basically said what you just said. And he said, my job is to make sure everybody stays on task, not too high, not too low, that there's no great panic. We have the right people in places, and uh, and I feel you have that as well. I liked your comment. I didn't think about Toronto uh, and and the fact that they too have had two finals. They too are back to back. They too are experiencing the injuries. Uh, in your GM wish list, could you remedy that? Could you say, hey, how about the team that goes to the final and as Champions League gets two more roster spots? Could that ever be? That's that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Like a lottery, right? You get a two if you do this yeah. well. We've 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 toyed with various roster uh, or, or salary budget rules uh, passed for the Champions League. And I, I think probably that stuff won't happen anymore because the, just the, the budgets are higher and so we're, we're closer to the Mexican teams and we're more competitive, clearly more competitive with the Mexican teams if you look at the consideration Champions League. Um, and you know, so I, I don't know that there's a solution other than uh, you know it's a long season. And if you, you know, there aren't a lot of solutions to that either. I mean, as, as you know, again, case in point, the World Cup, uh, you know, you got to take off for big tournaments like this. You know, we've already committed to our fans that, you know, we're trying, whenever possible, we're not playing on, on FIFA World Cup dates. You know, we, we request of MLS um, that we don't play on any international uh, dates. Now, it's not always possible from a MLS schedule perspective, um, but that's our preference because we want to put out the best product possible for our fans uh, every single week. And if you do that, then that forces you to play um, X number of weeks, and that makes it a long season. And you know, then you got to, you know, one thing kind of ticks into the other, into the other. So the only other option would be to shorten the preseason. Um, and honestly, you can make that adjustment. And I, again, I think, um, you know, we were beat up last year, but not this bad. And I think the difference is Champions League. So you couldn't compress preseason because you had to get after it right away uh, to get ready for the Champions League game. So I think that, you know, to the extent guys were kind of holding it together, that really was another blow from a from a health and medical perspective and um couple that with uh you know a new brand new performance staff you know our, our dave tenney leaves to orlando magic and chad kolarsic leads leaves to colorado rapids you got to replace basically the entire performance staff you know it's it was a lot it was a lot and and uh you know again we got to keep moving forward and getting better um but i think that those are maybe some reasons we find ourselves where we are you're listening to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Our guest is Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer, Garth Lagerway. Garth, we've talked a lot in here in recent weeks about acquiring a new attacking designated player, uh, the eight-figure investment we talked about last week. The team currently has three designated players, 
Clint Dempsey, Ozzy Alonso, and Nicholas Ladera, who was just added to Uruguay's preliminary World Cup roster. I was wondering, and I got asked a couple questions on Twitter that I think of this applies to. When we talk about adding a designated player, that means that one of the current ones will have to be, become a TAM player, I would guess. And the term buying down is used a lot. And I was wondering how exactly that process works. Is it as simple as changing the label on a player? What goes into that process? So the league gives you TAM money, um, and what you do when you convert, in our case, when we sign a DP, we convert Ozzy Alonso, as we've done in past years, uh, and we take his salary and we literally buy it down to the TAM salary level. So we have to turn in TAM dollars to the league, equivalent to the amount that we want to buy Ozzy down to create enough cap space to sign the, the DP. And so it's, it's, it's really just an internal accounting mechanism and you know, there's just there's some planning certainly that goes into it, but it's not it's not a super complicated procedure to to change a designation. That's good. No, it sheds some light exactly on how those financial transactions work. Hey, a couple weeks ago we were talking, and you mentioned how you watch how another general manager in the city, John Schneider, runs the Seahawks. There was a general manager here in, in the city who ran the Mariners some time ago named Jack Zarenzik. I don't know if you ever crossed paths for him, but one of the things that people and, and fans were most critical about over the time that he was here was the fact that he brought up guys from the Tacoma Rainiers too early, uh, not letting them develop in the minor leagues. The names Mike Zanino to an extent, Dustin Ackley especially pop out. How much do you buy into the philosophy that young players need to develop in the minors, the, the USL level for the Sounders case with S2, before coming up to the first team as opposed to letting them learn at a higher level while risking their confidence in the case of Dustin Ackley or the squad success, as was the case with the Mariners in this early part of the decade? Yeah, what I would say in general is that we want to sample kids, meaning we want to give them, bring them up and give them a taste and not overwhelm them and then put them back down and let them build up their confidence and then bring them back up again as they're able. So, look, we want to be in a position where we're providing an opportunity and a pathway for our young players, um, but hopefully also... Uh, demonstrating to them that they have to perform consistently day in, day out. And to some degree, Jackson, we can kind of have our cake needed too because of the way we're set up. And this is why the the relationship with the Rainiers in, in Tacoma is so cool because uh, we can play our matches there and, and put them in this really cool environment. You know, we have 4,000-plus people there again on the weekend. And then we can train at in Tequila. And that means that if we want a kid who we think might break into the first team or maybe we want to look at, like we can literally just bring him into the first team and train him. Um, and then it removes the guesswork and, you know, it removes some of the confidence factors and some of the growth factors because you can train with the first team and still go play games with us too. And that kind of thing happens honestly all the time. And so we kind of don't have to make a black or white designation in terms of, you know, this player is this level at this time. It's fun to see the growth with S2, Garth, uh, the move to Tacoma. Very logical. Uh, I know the people in Tacoma are excited to sort of have their own professional soccer team uh, that they're getting behind. So that logical is a, was logical. And then to see you have signed quite a few young men, um, and it's, it's looking more like Europe all the time. As a college coach, we'd like to have those players as well, by the way. Maybe we can work something out. But uh, it is... <laughs> It is it is great to see all the young kids that are getting the chance to be in that professional environment. You know, you look at, I always think the Ryan Giggs story was fun for me. You know, at one point he was making 35, 35 pounds a week uh, as a young 15, 16-year-old with Manchester United. And just how Sir Alex Ferguson brought him along and did exactly what he said. Bring him up, 
put him back down, bring him up, feather him into lineups, uh, and and all of that. And so, it's it's getting closer. Uh, the Seattle Sounders as an MLS team is get it seems to be getting much closer to the European style of developing the younger players as they come along. So uh, kudos to you guys for making the move to Tacoma. I thought that was smart, and it is fun to see the guys that you're signing. So we've played S2 a couple times, and uh, I've seen younger players now uh, that we're competing against, uh, but really cream of the crop talent. So Vargas, the one you just signed, is uh, I, I went up to... Um, Mark Nickel in Dallas. Mark Nichols in Dallas, and I said, "Hey, is he going to be available?" He just looked at me and said, "No." <laughs> so, so I uh, appreciate that, but but it is great. I think it's it's strides that need to happen to close the gap between uh, the Sounders and the rest of the world. Garth, you, Pete mentioned Marlon Vargas, or that was going to be my next question. Can you talk to us a little bit about Vargas and and what kind of player S two is getting there? Yeah, made made his debut with the team just this weekend, yeah. uh, playing in the ten role. Uh, he's a guy who led the most recent GA Cup tournament in in Dallas in, in scoring. I think was named. I can't remember if he was named the the lead scorer or the most valuable player. But uh, at any rate, got you know accolades as one of the best players down there, uh, and rightfully so. And uh, he's a kid who's really excited to join the Sounders organization, and you know that is now our eighth uh, homegrown signing to S two. So I think you're seeing a great trend. You know, if you think that just two years ago we had one homegrown player. Uh, on S2 uh, to now have eight. You know, this is step one in our process. And now step two is going to be how many of those eight can we, you know, make it up and put them on, put them on the first team so we can go from having three homegrowns on the first team currently uh, to hopefully having, you know, 10, 12, you know, half the roster uh, of the first team being homegrown players, uh, you know, because that's the goal. And, and, you know, we're, to be clear, a couple of years away from that. That's not going to happen overnight. Um, but that's certainly the ambition and the aspiration. Garth, last thing for you here, and Garth Lagaway, Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer, is our guest here on Sounders Weekly. It just came out this afternoon. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, Nico Ladero makes the preliminary roster for Uruguay's World Cup team. Roman Torres on that preliminary roster for Panama. Gustav Svensson makes the final roster for Sweden's team already. You have to be proud of those guys, uh, and that they'll be representing Seattle in the 206 over there in Russia. Yeah, uh... But proud of all of them, you know, really proud to have them represent the Sounders in the World Cup. Uh, I think we may wind up with the most World Cup players uh, of any team in MLS. We may really miss it by one. Uh, maybe somebody out there with four. But but to have three guys, uh, especially considering the U.S. didn't qualify, and because and, we might have had, you know, three more potentially if the U.S. had, uh, you know, I think that speaks to the quality we're bringing in the organization uh, and the level of talent uh, on the roster. And, you know, those guys are all great guys, and they've worked hard, and uh, you know, we wish them well, and, and, and we'll be rooting for them, and uh, we'll welcome them back with, with open arms after the tournament. I love the fact that Gustav was named to the final roster already. I think that, that matches uh, what we've seen in the, uh, in the first uh, seven, nine games so far. He's, he's just like Fry. He's been rock solid, and he's versatile, and he's uh, easy. He, he's a great guy to have great on the Great game against Portland. Yeah, and he's a great guy to have on a, in a World Cup uh, roster, just in the craziness that that brings—a level head and good leader and all that. So that I thought that was the best compliment of the three. And you're right, Garth. It's great. It's it's the good news and the bad news. Good news is you might have more than anybody, and without the U.S. team being there, um, obviously that almost would double possibly. But the the bad news is they're not with Seattle for a little while, and fans and teammates will have to pick up the slack. So, congrats on getting those guys in there. 
Thanks. Thanks. You know, and that's, look, we got more than, more than three guys, more than six guys on the team and we got to buckle down and, and get results with, with the guys who are here. And, and, uh, you know, I think it's a great way to look at it. And yeah, I will share a little anecdote with Gustav. We were talking to him about, about going and, uh, you know, he, you know, he had heard that they might name just the final roster as they wound up doing. I'm like, Hey, that's great. Like, you know, you made it, you're there. And he's like, no, I want to play. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going right. to go to that camp. I'm going to try to win a starting job. And he was, it was great to hear the, the determination, the resolution in his voice that, you know, it wasn't good enough just to be on the team. That, that, that wasn't why he was going, that this was the opportunity of a lifetime. And, you know, it, it means so much to these guys. It, it, it's a fun thing to, to go out there and watch them. I mean, this is a, a lifetime ambition for these guys. I mean, sure. this isn't just a season or a part of a cycle or something like that. Like this is, this is everything. And, and, uh, you know, I think our, our guys hopefully go there, give some good performances, and, and get a boost of confidence coming back to us uh, after the tournament. Well, we're less than a month away from the World Cup starting, so we'll all be watching. And we're just uh, just under two weeks away from the Sounders' next match. You mentioned there in terms of focusing on getting the results with the guys who are still here with the Sounders. That is May 26th, 2 p.m. kickoff at CenturyLink Field. Garth, we'll see you there and no Sounders Weekly next week. So we'll talk in a couple weeks, and we'll see you on the 26th for the RSL match. Awesome, Jackson. Thanks for having me again. Great stuff there from Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer, Garth Logaway. Love having him on each Sounders Weekly right about 7.25 on Tuesday evenings. If you missed any of that interview, check it out on the podcast on SportsRadioKJR.com, also the iHeartRadio app. Pete Fewing has been my guest, Seattle University head soccer coach, for the last 40 or so minutes. Pete, I know you got to run. You're a busy man, but thanks again for coming in today. My pleasure, Jackson. It's fun to talk about this team. Good days are coming. 25 games to go. Exactly. There is a long stretch, and while many are panicking, there is a long time, and as Garth was talking about, that summer edition, the designated player spot, that's coming. So there's a lot of the season. We always look to 2016 and what happened there. There is time left to get into the dance, and just like in all sports, once you get into that playoff dance, anything can happen. Yeah, look at the nine-year history prior to this season, right? Uh, every year into the uh, into the MLS uh, playoffs. Right. So I, I expect the same, and uh, I'm excited that they get a little bit of a break. Well-deserved, much needed, and uh, getting ready for Real Salt Lake. Good stuff, Pete. Pete Fueling has been my guest. Awesome to have him in. Now we turn to Brian Schmetzer, the head coach of the Seattle Sounders. Interesting interview that he did with our own Dave Softy Mahler and Dick Fain yesterday right here on KJR. He joins them every Monday at 5 p.m. I want to play some of that that they spoke with him yesterday from. Uh, some interesting comments, so I'll play those and react to it. Some interesting stuff from the head coach. That's next on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950, KJR. Sounders Weekly wrapping up tonight. Thanks again to Pete Fewing, Seattle University head soccer coach, for joining me for the last 50 minutes or so. Also to general manager and president of soccer, Garth Logaway for hopping on as well. If you missed any of it, you can listen to the podcast. You know the deal. SportsRadioKJR.com, the iHeartRadio app, it's everywhere. Just search Sounders Weekly. All right, wrapping up the show tonight. As I mentioned earlier, Brian Schmetzer, head coach of your Seattle Sounders, joined Dave Softy Mahler and Dick Fain yesterday. He joins them every Monday at 5 p.m. Last night was an interesting interview, and I wanted to play some of it today. I think there were some interesting comments that I wanted to play and react to. So before we end the night, let's hear from the head coach, Brian Schmetzer. 
that was a gut punch because you know nobody likes to lose. Uh, nobody likes to lose in the 87th minute, 88th minute, and we certainly don't like losing to Portland. So, you know, look, we took a we took a injury with Nuhu. He couldn't complete the game. Uh, Kim Key, he has a very large gash in his forehead that was, you know, spurting blood everywhere. So he couldn't continue. And so we just lost a little cohesion there on the back line. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I do, I'm, I'm cognizant enough to give Portland, you know, Blanco some credit. You know, it was a good goal. He took it well. So, you know, a little bit of just, again, this injury bug that keeps keeps hitting us. Yeah, uh, and then you know a good play. I mean, we needed to make some plays on our end too. What is the injury update on the two that you mentioned, as well as Ozzy Alonso? Uh, knew who will be fine. Uh, that was just a, a flu-like symptoms, I'll call it. Uh, Kim Key, he does not have a concussion, so he does not have to go through the concussion protocol. Um, but he just, like I said, he's got a big gash where you know he can't head the ball. Right. Uh, right now, but he should be okay. Uh, you know, the other two guys, I'll, I'll add two more. So Ozzy was really a, a tough loss that happened in the training session before we left to Portland. And Will Bruin was still recovering from a bruised heel that he suffered in Toronto. So we, we really putting ourselves in the hole with all these, uh, interesting injuries, I would call them. Brian, there's a lot of talk about getting more creative in your attack uh, after the draw against Columbus. Do you feel like there was enough creativity against Portland? You just got unlucky, or did you not like how you attacked against Portland? Well, look, look, uh, I got to give Clint some credit. I mean, he went out there and he, he he put it in, but he's not typically suited to be a number nine in that in that type of system. Yeah, I mean, he needs some help around him. That's why we uh, Bruin was a big loss for us. Cause Bruins more of a typical number nine. So, you know, Deuce needed some help. Yeah, you know, we were a little hamstrung. I mean, we had a couple opportunities. Knew who had a couple half chances down his side. But we're still frustrated. We're still frustrated that we can't find any sort of, yeah. you know, rhythm to our attack. Brian Schmetzer with us, head coach Sanders FC, after a loss to Portland yesterday in Portland. Would you ever, in regards to Clint, consider having him uh, come off the bench as like a super sub with fresh legs in the second half instead of starting him? Or is that just out of the question, honestly? No, I mean, look, Clint's been a sub for this franchise before. It's not like it'd be some shock or revelation for folks or for Clint. It's just we're we're so short on numbers um, that that he's got to play. You know, it, it kind of removes any sort of you know. Ta- okay, in a, on a an away game, let's save Clint's legs on an away match, and you know, get some young guys out there, bring Clint on. Uh, you know, for the last thirty five minutes, thirty minutes, we didn't have that luxury on Sunday. I mean, we needed him in the middle of the day. It was a hot day down there, and he had to. You know, fight through it with the rest of the young guys. Brian, do you like your lineup right now? The five four one. You want to you want to switch back uh, with all the, uh, the you know the guys leaving for World Cup duties. Others getting healthier. All the the changing in personnel you're going to have upcoming. Yeah, that'll be on a game by game basis, depending on matchups. Uh, people call it a five four one, or you're going to call it a three five two. 
you know, it just depends on the, the, the state or, or the flow of the game. You're either defending with three or you're defending with five, depending on, you know, if they're putting you under a little bit of pressure or you're getting the actual advantage, yep. pushing those two guys way high. So, again, we're still sorting through some of those those movements, but I'm happy with it. I mean, like I said before, it gives us, you know, a, a different club in the bag that we can pull out when we need to. Great stuff there from head coach Brian Schmetzer. He joins Dave Softy-Mahler and Dick Fain every Monday at 5 p.m., I know I don't typically normally play their interview on Sounders Weekly each week, but I wanted to this week because I thought there were some interesting points that we could discuss from it. The first thing I want to focus on is the formation, and he talked about how that 5-4-1 that we saw in Portland and in Toronto was like a club you can take out of a bag. You know, it's interesting because now Brian Schmetzer can confuse opposing head coaches with what formation he's going to use. Now, in the near future, facing RSL back-to-back weeks here coming up in a couple weeks, they don't play this weekend, that would really be determined on who you have available. And we look at these World Cup rosters with Gustav Svensson, with Roman Torres, both being part of those preliminary squads and likely those final World Cup squads. That limits how many available center backs you have. Do you stick with the 5-4-1 and roll with a Kim Kihi, Chad Marshall, and then a Jordi DeLem or a Tony Alfaro? Or do you revert back to the 4-2-3-1 with a Key and a Marshall in the middle of that back four and then slide, put Jordi DeLem in there next to Christian Oldon in the defensive midfield until an Ozzy Alonso can get back? There's some interesting questions that Brian Schmetzer is going to have to answer in how do you play certain games coming up until guys are healthy, until guys are back from the World Cup. Right now it's just a matter of who's available. And the second point, speaking of who's available, is Clint Dempsey. How Softy asked, would you ever consider using Dempsey strictly as a super sub instead of as a starter? And what Brian Schmetzer sort of said was, we have to because of all the other injuries. Now, if everybody else was healthy and a Nico Ladero was healthy, a Will Bruins healthy, it makes me think that maybe his preference would be to start Clint Dempsey on the bench and bring him on with fresh legs in the second half. And this is just a situation where they have to play him because of all the injuries. So it will be interesting to see how they play the games, say, throughout summer, when guys get back from the World Cup, when guys get healthy, and you have Clint Dempsey and the whole squad available, whether or not Clint Dempsey is worth starting or better left on the bench to come on with those fresh legs in the second half. We're starting to see how this team might shape up once those guys get healthy. So some interesting comments there from Brian Schmetzer that I wanted to play. Once again, make sure to listen to his interview with Dave Softy-Muller and Dick Fain every Monday at 5. And that'll do it tonight for Sounders Weekly. Thank you once again to Seattle University head coach Pete Fewing for joining me here in studio for most of the show. Thanks to Garth Logaway, Sounders general manager and president of soccer. If you missed any of the show, you can go listen back to it. iHeartRadio app, SportsRadioKJR.com. That'll do it. We have no show next week here for Sounders Weekly, so make sure you listen the week after. And the match broadcast against Real Salt Lake coming up on May 26th. That'll do it for the show tonight. Thanks for listening.